Got a question for you. Can God? God And that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the gospel, John. We're going to be looking at verse 3, 16 and 17. Very familiar. But we're going to look at that question, can God really save you? Can God really save? This morning from His Holy Word, we're going to see the answer to that is, yes, He can. And we're going to see three reasons why God can really save. Lost person, if you're here today, I want you to hear what the Word of the Lord says because you may be struggling with that question. You've heard gospel preaching before. You've heard John 3.16. You've seen it at ball games. We see it all over everybody. Even lost people understand that and not, not necessarily understand, but they know that verse. So we're going to look at this and we're going to see three things this morning. First of all, we're going to see that God really can save first and foremost because of His promise and His plan. Second of all, we know that God can save because of His power. And third, we're going to see that God really can save you because of His provision. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're in John. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now look at verse number 17. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so for a few moments that we have together this morning, we're going to answer that question, can God really save you? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what has already been experienced and what we've already seen. Lord, there's no doubt about it, you're in the house. And Lord, there's no doubt about it, but there's someone that is struggling with that question even now. Can God really save me? And I pray the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is upon them. And they they would realize before this message is done that they can really be saved. But Lord, I also pray for those that are secure in their salvation. But maybe they just need to remember what you've done for them. Maybe they just need to be thankful today. Maybe they just need to praise you for what you've done in their life. Lord, we ask that you have free reign. Lord, that you'd walk up and down these aisles. Pray that there will be no hindering spirits. Satan, go on notice. We're claiming the blood of Jesus Christ over this service. You have no authority here. We're standing upon the word of the Lord. The word is powerful. The word is true. And we're claiming that blood, the only blood that could save, the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be upon us and will cover us today. And Lord, that you'll have your will as the invitation's given that that lost person will be able to answer the question, can God really save? And they said, he sure can because he just saved me. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me give you the background, the context of the message here. We see that Nicodemus has been encountering the Lord Jesus. They've been having conversation. And the Lord Jesus has told him about being born again. Well, Nicodemus didn't quite understand what he meant by that. So he had to explain. As I was thinking about that, here's Nicodemus. Uh, He didn't understand what being born again meant. See, that happens a lot of times in words that we use, does it not? I mean, we use words like, hey, let's just go and uh, uh, have a, uh, take a few shots. Well, if you're uh, in the uh, alcoholic uh, scene, you would understand what that meant. It means you're going to a bar, you're going to knock down a few. But if you're not in that scene, you're not quite familiar with that scene, and maybe you're a basketball player, you're thinking, okay, we'll go shoot some hoops. We, we also see the word trick. Now, trick is, a, uh, and I'm not really up on that as you can tell, but uh, I, there was a show, I believe it was, is Trick My Ride. I had no idea what this thing was about. I, I thought, this car is going to do tricks or, or, or something like that. And, and, and then I found out, no, that's where you really make a, an awesome car. But if you're a hockey player, you use that term differently. You would say, yeah, I just, we just had a hat trick. Now, if you're not into hockey, you would think, okay, you've got a hat that can do tricks. Now, there's also another profession, and we're not going to get into that, where that word means totally different what we just talked about. (laughs) And by the response, many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) So we've got to be careful. Uh, It depends on who we're dealing with. See, it happens that in Christianity as well. See, lost people do not understand the language of the church. See, when we tell somebody, are you saved, they have no clue to what you're talking about. Saved from what? So here we understand that that word saved, it's made up of two Greek words, sodizo. It means to rescue. Uh, it means to, uh, to uh, not only to deliver and uh, to make someone safe and sound. And so we have to explain, when we're dealing with lost people, they don't know our terminology. They don't know our language, if you will. So we've got to be very careful and explain to them exactly what does that mean. And so here, Jesus has had that encounter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus didn't have a clue to what he was talking about, so the Lord Jesus explains to him what that word, being saved, being born again, really means. Means And so then we come to verse number 16 and he says, here's how you can be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so the first thing that we see as we're entertaining this question, can God really save me? First of all, we see that he really can save because of his promise. Now this is a promise... Uh, Uh, that just didn't take place. When you go to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, we all know the story there. Uh, God is having dialogue with a serpent or Satan himself. Satan has come into the scene in the form of a serpent and now he's messed things up and now sin has been brought into the equation here. It's been brought into a world that was a very perfect garden. Everything was good, but Adam and Eve, they fell uh, to the lives of Satan and they sinned. 
again. And here's what he says. He says, because of that, there will be a Savior born. Now, he didn't use that term, but that's exactly what he's talking about there in Genesis 3.15. He says, there will be one who will come by the seed of the woman. He's talking about the Virgin Mary. And he says, when this child is born, we're going to see conflict between the satanic forces and the forces of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason why we have the problems that we have in today. That's the reason why sin has come into the world. That's the reason why we have murders. That's the reason why there's violence. There's rumors of war. Why? Because sin has come in and there's a cosmic conflict going on and it's going on inside of you. But I got good news. He says that he will provide a solution to the problem. But that promise goes even further back than that. You go to Revelation chapter 13, verse number 8, paraphrasing here, mind you. But he says, making reference to the Lord Jesus, he said that he was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. But listen, this promise goes even further back than this. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 20, it says, talking about Jesus, mind you, it says it was foreordained before there was a before. Before there was a before. God had a plan and He made a promise that He was going to provide the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was slain, and we're going to understand that God always delivers on His promises. Matter of fact, He's fulfilled every promise that He ever gave in His holy word. There's just one more we're counting on, and that's when He's going to come and snatch us out of here. And I'll tell you, the odds are pretty good He's going to follow through with that one as well. Did I have an amen in the house today? This promise, He has promised us us. Before there was a sinner, before there was sin, there was a plan. Now listen, see, sometimes we get this concept that uh, and because we think uh, uh, that uh, God works like we do. When we have a situation that arises at work, we'll say something like, got a plan. So we'll sit down and we'll say, okay, here's, here's the best, here's the best uh, this is the best plan that we can come up with. And then somebody asks, well, what happens if that plan doesn't work? Well, we better have a plan B. Let me tell you, dear church, God doesn't have a plan B. God had a plan before the foundations of the world were established. His plan for salvation was going to be in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you say, can I really be saved? You can really be saved. Why? Because God has given you a promise and God will deliver upon His promise and God will do what He said He will do. So here's the question. Can God... God can. But here's the plan. Jesus speaking, we're in John chapter 6 now, verse number 37. Jesus says, paraphrasing, He said, you've come to me. He's given him an invitation. He said, if you come to me, I'll give you everlasting life. Now he says it this way. He says, I will not cast you out. See, here's what, Jesus is all-inclusive. Jesus, the Bible tells us it's the will of God for all men to be saved. So Jesus says, come unto me 
and I'll not cast you out. But then you drop down a few more verses to verse number 47, same chapter, chapter 6. He says, verily, verily, in other words, Jesus speaking, he says, truly, truly, if you believe upon me, you will have everlasting life. And so here's what we need to understand this morning. Can God really save? And the answer is, yes, He can. Why? Because of His promise. But not only was there a promise, but there was a plan. And it was in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ alone. May I, I already mentioned this. There's not a plan B here. That's the reason why in John 14, 6, Jesus speaking here, that's the reason why Jesus says, I am the way. He didn't say I was a way. He says, I'm, you know, you can kind of pick and choose here. I know we live in a society uh, that everybody's, uh, uh, doesn't matter what faith you are, doesn't matter what you believe, we're all trying to get to the same place. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Because the Bible is quite clear, there's only one way. His name is Jesus Christ. That was promised before the foundations of the world. Even before there was a before, he had a plan, and his plan was his beloved son, the Lord Jesus. But now the second thing that we know, and we can say, yes, God can really save you because of his power. Now this is where, if you're saved, you ought to get happy about because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 1, the Bible says that we've been quickened. That word quickened means brought alive. See, the only way you can bring something alive is it first had to be dead. Okay? Y'all, y'all, y'all catching on. Y'all pretty smart. Y'all catching on this. And so here, uh, the, the believers, that ought to be shouting ground. Because at one time, because if you continue to read that verse, it says, you've been quickened who were dead in your trespasses. Spiritually speaking, you were dead. Dead. Dead is four o'clock. I mean, you were dead. And when you think about death, uh, and if we would have had a conversation with uh, Brother David Brooks, now, he's in the funeral home business. And if we went and asked David, said, David, uh, of all the bodies, all the uh, funerals that you did, did you ever have a conversation with that person that you buried? And you say, well, that's pretty silly. He's dead. That's what we were when we were spiritually dead. That's the reason why you heard the gospel many times over. And some of you today have heard the gospel many times over, but it hasn't done anything for you. It it hasn't stirred you. Oh, you might have a little tingling. You might get a little nervous. You might be getting your ring. You might want to leave the invitation a little bit early. But I'm telling you, you might not realize it, but the convicting power of the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And by the way, unless the Spirit of God draws you, you cannot be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand that we can truly be saved because there's power in the name. And that power comes into us and it enables us. First of all, we see the power enacted. We call it the wooing of the Holy Spirit. See, that's God knocking on your door. That's God making you restless at night. That's God saying, you know, you really do need to make a change in your life. And we can call it all that we want to. We can't explain it, but we know there's something different. You really 
realize that you now have a void in your life. Now you're looking to all kinds of places. Before I got saved, I knew there was a void in my life. I didn't have peace. I didn't have joy. I didn't have, oh, and I saw other believers and they were talking about joy unspeakable and a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I didn't quite get that. Why didn't I get that? Because I was spiritually dead. But the power of God started working on me, started to woo me. And I started getting convicted. I knew I need to make a change here. Man, I'm miserable. I realized that I, I, I'm doing some things I really don't want to be doing. And I, my, as I made mention before, my, my dad uh, being an alcoholic, uh, if he went to talk to my dad, and of course, by God's grace, he was saved five years before the Lord took him. Able to baptize my daddy on the Easter Sunday morning. I praise him for it. But my daddy, he knew that there was something, but he didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I just want to totally screw my life up. Nobody does that. The alcoholic didn't wake up one day and says, boy, I can't wait. I can get me a few shots down because I really want to wreck my marriage. But they see, that's what sin does. Sin just slowly eats away, eats away, eats away to where you come to the point in your life that you're miserable. You can't quite explain it. But it's a power of the Lord Jesus trying to tell you you can't go to AA too many times. You can't go to rehab. All that's well and good in its place. But I'm telling you, the only thing that can change a drunkard and the way of his thinking is the power of God working in his life. And some of you have been delivered from that. You were, hey, you were quickened in the Lord Jesus Christ. You were dead in your trespasses, but now you have life and life more abundant. And now we see that the power of God working in our lives. And so we see as we ask the question, can God really save you? Why? Because of his promise, because of his plan, because of his power. But there's a third thing because of his provision. Now I want you to look in Romans chapter 6 verse number 14. Here's the first thing that he provides for you. See when the Holy Spirit, when you call upon the name of the Lord, you've confessed, you've repented your sin, you came to realize you were in need of a Savior. And the best way you knew how, you took Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. You, you said, I believe that verse, and you called upon His name. Here's what happens. The power of God comes in, sets up residence within you. And because of that, you now, according to Romans chapter 6, verse number 14, according to that, the, the power of sin no longer is on you. Sin doesn't have power over you anymore. You didn't hear what I just said. The power of sin no longer dominates you. It doesn't call the shots in your life now. The Lord Jesus is... See, there's a new master in now, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of what Jesus Christ did for you, he has now delivered you from the dominion of sin in your life. But there's a second thing that we see when we understand the provision, what does He provide for us? He also provides not only the, the cancels out the power, but He cancels out the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting good. Romans 8, chapter 1. Romans 8, verse number 1 says, 
you are no longer condemned. Glory to God. You were at one time dead in your trespasses. The Bible says you deserve death, hell, and you didn't. There's none righteous, no, not one. You couldn't do anything to help your cause. You were doomed and destined. You had no one to look to. You had not understand. It says, well, I call the shots in my life. No, my dear friend, there's only one or two people that will call the shots in your life. It's either Satan or it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get saved, the Lord Jesus Christ is your new master. And what he says now, when he looks at you, he says, there's no longer any condemnation. Oh, that's good stuff right there. You're no longer condemned. So now when we stand before a holy, righteous God, and He says, why do I need to let you into my heaven? You'll say, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has covered me and has made me holy and has made me justified and has made me a partaker in the inheritance that has been waiting for me there in heaven. The only reason I can boast is I boast in the cross. Ain't that good? See, you had a death sentence on you. I had a death sentence on me. But the Lord Jesus stepped in and says, Whoa, wait a minute. I'll take their place. Oh, man, isn't that good? There's no longer any condemnation upon you. But watch this. He not only provides that we no longer have the sin has dominion on us, No longer do we have the penalty of death over us, but one sweet glorious day we'll be out of the presence of sin. Now, go to the last part of Romans 7. Paul speaking here, and he cries out, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin or you could put the word death now understand I came across in my studying Paul is from of course Tarsus Tarsus they had uh, some uh, different ways of law and order there if you were convicted of murdering someone I've been told that you would have to strap that corpse on your back and carry it around over the course of time, the body fluids would start to get into your body. And over the course of time, that corpse that you've been carrying around would wind up killing you. That's a picture of sin. That's what sin will do. Sin will destroy you. Sin will kill you. And so look, watch this. So... Can I really be saved? Yes, you can. Why? Because there was the promise. Before there was a before, God had a plan. And then we also see because of His power, the power of God started to speak to my heart and power of God started to convict me that was dead in sin, but He quickened me and I realized I was in need of a Savior and I cried upon His name and I asked the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sin. Would you come into my life? And the Bible tells us that He comes into our life and because He comes into our lives, 
He gives us some provision. He has now delivered us from the dominion of sin. He also not only has delivered us from the power of sin, but He's delivered us from the penalty of sin. And one sweet glorious day, He will deliver us from the presence of sin. Now some, uh, and I, I, in some research, some said that, uh, uh, that He uh, delivered the presence and they're talking about, and there is, there is this way of thinking that if a person gets saved, then he no longer has to deal with sin. Here again, that is not in the Bible. Paul, Paul's talking. Paul understood because he, and the verses preceding that, he talked about how he no longer had dominion of sin on him. He talked about how the penalty had been canceled out. So what is he talking about? He's talking about what we call glorification. See, there's coming a day, a wonderful, wonderful day that we're all looking to as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we will be delivered from this sinful world and we will be translated, if you will, or we will have a new dwelling place. Now this here is temporary, but the place that He has in store for us is eternal. And so when we have that perfect body and we're in a perfect place, only then we will be delivered from the presence of sin. But until then, we have to deal with it. Now, lost person, we're fixing to land. We're right there over Donaldson now. The landing gear is down. We're fixing to come into BNA. When we get saved, it does not mean all your troubles go away. There are some who teach that in error. But sometimes we will say, I don't even believe that. But then we start believing it. You're not living right. I've had three conversations in the last week and a half. They took me back to the time when they called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They believed in their heart, confessed. They said, I'll remember, I'll remember it. And watch this. But Satan still is trying to mess you up. And he's putting those doubts. See, when we understand, and we have to get this nailed down, that if I'm saved, he keeps me. I don't get saved one day, lose it next day, get saved the next day. And, and here what has happened is that mindset has gotten in. So when you're not living right and conviction comes upon you, you're thinking, well, I wouldn't be doing this if I was truly saved. No, 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 that's not the... The question is, if you're truly saved, you still mess up. But here's the thing. You ought to be grateful that you're being convicted of it because one of the evidence of knowing that you're saved is conviction of sin. See, before... Before you got saved, sin didn't bother you at all. Hey, you didn't bother. I mean, you, you just get drunk and you say, well, I, I, you know, I need to quit drinking because I got this headache. I, I wrecked my car. Or I can't find my car and all these type of things like that. But what happened the next day? You went back, same thing. But when you're saved and you mess up, you start getting miserable power of God starts dealing with you and saying, what's wrong with you? I didn't save you to be acting like you've been acting. That doesn't necessarily mean you've lost your salvation. By the way, you can't lose your salvation because your salvation is in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
John says it this way. If you've been placed in my hand, no man can pluck you out of it. And he seals you with the Holy Spirit of God. So the problem is, we'll say, I believe in security, but then when we're messing up, well, that Satan comes in and says, Oh, I told you, I told you that, you know. And, and so uh, he, he doesn't care if you go ahead and do it again because he knows there's going to be another time. And then there's going to be another time. And then what happens now? You're all confused. Well, how, how many times have you made us... How, how many times did you go and tell the preacher that you needed to get saved? Well, this is about my eighth time. Well, do you see a problem there? What's the problem? The problem is that you've been confused. And you say you believe, but you really don't believe. If I'm truly saved, somebody needs to get free here today on this. If you're truly saved, you're saved forever. It's a sealed deal. So here the question is, can God really save you? And yes, He can save you. Why do we know He can save? Because of His promise. Because of His power. And because of His provision. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now I understand this is a very simple message from a very simple preacher. But it's still a message from the Word of God And the preacher's not telling you. The deacons are not telling you. The Word of God is telling you. Today is the day unto salvation. And we've already took care of the question, can God really save me? God can. But here, here, we're fixed. Okay, okay, did you hear that? Boom. The landing gear's down. Where you think the bottom of the plane's fine? We're, we're fixing it. We see, we see the lights. We're fixing to come into our runway. So the question is not, can God save you? The question that you must ask and answer today is, will I let God save me? Yeah.